Well, this is Palm Sunday, or at least that's what we call it, Palm Sunday. At this time, back in the time of Jesus, Jesus' ministry had been going on for approximately three years. If you recall last week, we talked about how Jesus and his disciples had went up to Caesarea Philippi, the region north of Capernaum. And Jesus had taken them up there to spend time with them, to focus on them, to build their faith, to teach them many things. And while we were there, Jesus asked this critical question of the disciples. He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter gave an answer for all of the disciples. And he said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. A more truthful answer could never have been given. But they gave it with limited understanding. Shortly after that, Jesus took Peter and James and John up on a mountain And they experienced what we call the transfiguration, where they saw Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And after that event, they came down from the mountain, and it said multitudes were waiting for them. And they began that long journey to Jerusalem. The journey that most historians tell us took about eight months to complete. They went back down to Capernaum, went into Samaria. When they were not received in Samaria, it says they crossed the Jordan to the to Judea on the other side of the Jordan. And then they traveled. And they went down until they came across from, from Jericho. They crossed the river again and entered into Jericho. And last week we talked about the story of Bartimaeus, the healing of the blind man. And then shortly after that, Jesus experienced or encountered Zacchaeus. And after that, they got ready to prepare for their last leg of their journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. This would be a very difficult part of the journey. It's probably only about 15 miles in a straight line, but because of the road winding up through the mountains, it would take much longer. There is an elevation change of over 3,300 feet, so it would be a difficult walk. And at other times, it would be a dangerous walk because of thieves and robbers along this road. But at this time, there would probably have been many, many other travelers Jewish pilgrims, if you would, heading to Jerusalem for the Passover. And Jesus and his disciples arrive at Bethany before they go to Jerusalem. I want you to picture in your mind for just a moment, when we talk about Jerusalem, we talk about this Passover. For Jerusalem, this is a very, very big week. This is a time where the city is going to grow in numbers dramatically. Most people say four to five times the normal population comes into Jerusalem or the Jerusalem area. They disagree upon the population of Jerusalem at that time. There's a long, a a, a broad range of guesstimates, anywhere from 25,000 people to over a million people. We don't really know, but we do know that it increased in size four to five times, which was an economic boom. Imagine a small town around here that had this kind of growth for a weekend, a weekend celebration, if you would, a week-long celebration. Imagine the food sales there would be. Imagine the lodging costs there would be. Imagine, in their case, the dollars spent or the money spent buying animals for sacrifice. And where would all the people stay? Some would stay in private homes in Jerusalem or inns in Jerusalem, but that would be quickly filled. Most of the people actually camped in tents outside of the city. 
Some would go to Bethany or Bethphage, two towns within two miles of Jerusalem, and stay in private homes there. And that's where we find Jesus and the disciples. They've made the trek from Jericho and they've arrived at Bethany. And that evening in Bethany, they have a supper with Lazarus, the man that Jesus raised from the dead, and Mary and Martha, his sisters. And there's a wonderful story about what took place that night. And then the next morning, the next day, is what we refer to as the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. What we celebrate now is Palm Sunday. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark. Can you, find, you can also find it in the other Gospels. But I'm going to start in Mark, and I'm going to start in chapter 11, verse 1. And as they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You simply say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying that colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them. And they gave them permission. And they brought the colt to Jesus. And they put their garments on it, and he sat upon it. And many spread their garments in the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed after were crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple, And after looking all around, he departed back to Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. The title of my message this morning is, The Messiah Made Public. Even though Jesus had been ministering for three years, even though Peter had answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, most people up to this time didn't understand and know that Jesus was the the promised Messiah. And what we read here in our own natural understanding in our culture today, we can miss some of the obvious statements that are being declared about Jesus being the Messiah. As we go through today's story, I'm going to be going back in time a ways in history, about a thousand years, and then we're going to go forward. I'm hoping as we make this journey, first of all, I'm hoping you can track with me. And then I'm hoping that we get a revelation, a better understanding of how clear the message was being made about Jesus being the Messiah through the events that took place this day. Remember, every detail was planned out. Everything fulfilled prophecy for many years before. So we're going to look first, going back about a thousand years, to the end of the reign of King David. King David had spent most of the first half of his life establishing and becoming king. And then he spent most of the second half of his life maintaining his kingdom. And by this time he's old and he's tired. 
And God had promised that David would never lose his throne. And he'd also promised to David that his descendants would, that who remained loyal to God, if they remained loyal to God, would sit on the throne forever. And at this time, David decides it's time for him to leave his throne to his son Solomon. I'm going to read in 1 Kings chapter 1 when this is taking place. King David said, Call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. When they came before the king, he said to them, Take your Lord's servants with you and set Solomon my son, my own son, and set him on my mule and take him down to Gihon. There have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then you are to go with him and he is to come and sit on the throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. Remember this. As we go through this, I'm going to say that many times. Remember this picture. This first picture from the history of Judaism I want us to see is that Solomon, who was about to be appointed heir to the throne of Israel, he was about to be appointed king, and it says he rides to his coronation on the donkey, on a mule. Now let's jump forward. When Solomon died, the kingdom split. The kingdom split into a northern kingdom that was called Israel and a southern kingdom called Judah or Judea. And it split and had different kings. And an interesting thing you will see if you study this in the Bible, in the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, there is almost nothing good ever said about any of those kings. They were all evil. A hundred years later, a man became king who was named Ahab. And he ruled with his wife, Jezebel. Most of us have heard of Ahab and Jezebel. I'm not sure who is more evil, Ahab as the king or Jezebel as his wife. But they wanted to eradicate, they wanted to eliminate all worshipers of the Lord God of Israel. They would have the worshipers hunted down and then they'd kill them. They would have the priests and the prophets executed. They would <clears throat> try to destroy any remnant of those who worshipped the Lord God of Israel. You may remember a story that I won't go into, but there was a, a showdown between Elijah and the, the priests of Baal where Elijah calls down fire from heaven and burns it up and the priests of Baal are killed. Then the Lord chooses a new king in the kingdom of Israel. And you can read this story in its entirety in 2 Kings chapter 9, the first 13 verses. We see in this story where Elijah sends one of his disciples or one of his servants, one of the prophets in training, if you would. And he tells him to go and anoint a man named Jehu to become king. So the servant travels and he finds where Jehu is. And when he arrives there, there's a number of leaders sitting in this tent. And the servant walks in and says, I have something to say. And one of the leaders, Jehu, 
says, to whom is your message directed? And he said, it is for you, Jehu. So they went outside the tent and the servant delivers the message to Jehu. And then Jehu goes back in and sits down with all these other leaders. And as he comes in, the other leaders are wanting to know, what did he tell you? What was the message? And Jehu kind of tries to make light of it. Kind of like, you know these people. I mean, forget it. But they said, no, what did he say? And here's what he said in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 12. Here is what he told me. This is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. They hurried, and listen to this, they took their garments, their cloaks, and they spread them under him on the bare steps. And then they blew the trumpet, and then they shouted, Jehu is king. Here's another picture that I want you to remember. They threw their garments, they threw their coats on the ground. They would take them and make slaves out of them and take them into exile. And this had taken place for both of these kingdoms. So they were under their rule and under their tyranny. During this time, there was a prophet by the name of Zechariah who was on the scene. And part of a prophecy that Zechariah had is one I want to share with you. The prophecy, obviously, in the context, had a very specific time and it took place back in that time frame and was fulfilled. But it also has a part of it as a messianic prophecy. A Messiah is being proclaimed. And we know this because we see in both Matthew and John, they quote from this prophecy of Zechariah so many hundreds and hundreds of years before. In Zechariah chapter 9, starting in verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout! daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Prophesying exactly how Jesus, the Messiah, was going to come into Jerusalem. And notice the description of him. He is going to come as a king. He is going to come and he is going to be one who is righteous. And he is one who is going to be bringing salvation. Gentle. Meek. Riding on the colt, the foal of a donkey. And verse 10 goes on and says, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations and his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of of the earth. As you look at this, this Messiah, this one who is going to come, he is going to proclaim peace to the nations. He is going to bring peace, this Messiah. He is going to rule to the ends of the earth. A messianic prophecy about Jesus that had taken place by the words of Zechariah so many, many years ago. In in verse 11, it continues. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. There is a blood covenant being established. 
and it will set free prisoners from a bottomless pit or a waterless pit, an empty cistern in some translations. The prisoners will be set free. The prisoners of sin will be set free. And continuing on in verse 12, it says, Return to your fortress. The, our fortress. Return to God. Turn back to God. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. And even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. He is going to restore what has been stolen by the enemy. What has been taken by the enemy. Prisoners of hope. God, there's so many things that could be said here. As followers of Jesus Christ, as God is our fortress, we should be prisoners of hope, not fear, not being oppressed by the enemy, but prisoners of hope, prophesied by Zechariah hundreds of years before this took place. As I say, both Matthew and John quote this as a messianic prophecy applied to Jesus as he is entering into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. Another picture. Remember this picture. Another one to remember. We have a king, Zechariah is prophesying, and he's coming to Jerusalem. But he's going to be riding on a donkey. He's a king coming, not on a war horse, as would be the traditional victory parade, where the conquering king would come riding this majestic horse Declaring victory, full of pomp and circumstance, bravada, pride. He's not going to return that way. He's going to come riding a donkey. The colt, or foal, of a donkey. A symbol of humility? Absolutely not bragging. The king that is coming is a conquering king. But his conquests come through humility, not warfare. This new humble king will set the captives free through a covenant that has been made by blood. All of these things throughout the history of the Jewish people are pointing to this day where where Jesus is proclaiming himself to be the Messiah through what is taking place. If you're hanging with me, we're going to go to one more time in the history, one more period in the history of Israel as a nation. Centuries after Zechariah's proclamation and prophecy, Syria has now conquered and has control of the region of Judea. And the king of Syria, his name was Antiochus IV. And I tell you that simply because he liked a different name. He liked to be called Epiphanes. The word that we get epiphany from. He liked to be called the one revealed by God. Filled with arrogance. He declared that all of his subjects, no matter Jew or Gentile, become good Greeks. And here's what he did as the ultimate insult to the Jewish people. He placed a statue of the Greek god Zeus in the temple. And then, to make it even worse, he offered as a sacrifice a pig on the altars in the temple. There couldn't be much 
more of a desecration of all that the Jewish people believed in their sacrificial and their ceremonial worship. This triggered a rebellion. There had been many other rebellions, but this rebellion was called the Maccabean Revolt. A family with the name Maccabees. And this revolt went on and eventually they took back Jerusalem. They took back the temple. A man by the name Simon Maccabees was ahead of the revolt at that time. And after they had taken back the temple and they had taken back to Jerusalem, time passed and the Syrian king made peace with Simon. And when he made peace with Simon, he did something very, very interesting. He made him and declared him to be the high priest and the prince of Judea. A princedom, if you would. This lasted for a very short time and it became an independent kingdom led by Simon the Maccabees. And then the Romans came and they took over. It is recorded that when peace was made between the Syrian king and Simon Maccabees, and I'm going to quote from the history book, the Jews entered Jerusalem with praise and with palm branches, harps, cymbals, stringed instruments, and hymns and songs because a great enemy had been defeated and removed from Israel. Once again in Jewish history, we come to this picture that I want you to remember. This picture of Simon, the leader of a revolt, establishing peace. And he acted as both the high priest and king in Jerusalem. And they celebrated with the waving of palm branches. Now, if you can take all of those pictures that I asked you to remember... And consider this about the triumphal entry of Jesus that we read in the Gospel of Mark. They brought the donkey's colt to Jesus and they draped their coats upon the donkey and Jesus sat on it. Then a whole bunch of people, the crowds, threw their coats onto the road and others caused, cut down branches and leaves and palm branches from the surrounding fields Some they threw on the road and others that they waved. Then those who walked in front of Jesus and those who were following behind Jesus were shouting. They were shouting out, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our father David's kingdom. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Do you see history being reenacted? Do you see that this is something that the Jewish people would have understood? If they understood their scriptures, if they understood the prophets, if they had an understanding of Jewish history, the, the scene that they would have been watching on that Palm Sunday would have been declaring as clear as could be the message of the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. It is being made public. We see Jesus coming as King Solomon came, riding on a donkey on the way to his coronation. We see Jesus coming as a king 
who would destroy the enemy of God's people, who would destroy Satan and his power. And he was having coats thrown on the ground before him. We see a king humble yet mighty who is about to establish peace and set the captives free through a covenant of his blood. He was coming to conquer the oppressor. He was coming as king. When we consider Palm Sunday, and I realize we've looked at it a little differently today than you may have ever looked at it before. And I hope you are able to track with me along this timeline in Jewish history to see the significance of everything that took place from the moment Jesus in Bethany sent those two disciples to get that colt of a donkey, the cloaks, the palm branches, the shouting, all of it, ordained before the foundations of the world. Palm Sunday really marks the triumphal entry of Jesus as King of Israel into Jerusalem. It truly is the Messiah made public for all who would understand, but they didn't completely understand. They had a different vision of what reality would soon be. Oh, he would be corn. There would be a coronation, of course, as king, but it would be at the hands of the Romans. He will be crowned, all right, but it will be a crown of thorns. He will be beaten with a reed that was used to mock a king's scepter. His throne was going to become a cross. His people would cheer for him as king of Israel as he came into the city, but in a short week's time, many of these people would be declaring and shouting, crucify him. This is how the covenant of blood was going to be established. This is how peace was truly going to be established. This is how Satan was going to be conquered. He would be completely undone by what Jesus was going to do as the Messiah. There really was no other way. And we need to always remember that Jesus' kingdom comes, came through suffering and the cross. However, on the day in Jerusalem, this day that we we're reading about in Jerusalem, it was a day of excitement and it was a day of expectation. Today was a public demonstration of Jesus of Nazareth is coming as the long-awaited Messiah. The Messiah was made public. And the people were declaring and singing and shouting as they had done for many, 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 many years from the Psalms and from Zechariah's prophecy. Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our Father, David's kingdom. Hosanna in the highest. It was a day of excitement, a day of celebration, a day of expectation. And it deserved to be celebrated because it was part of God's perfect plan. However, Friday is coming. Let's close in prayer. If I could have... The musician, come forward. Heavenly Father, we praise You and thank You. We thank You for that day when Jesus as the Messiah was made public, even though the people did not understand.
God, we pray that in this day and in this time, when people hear about and read about Jesus and others share about Jesus, that He is recognized as the Messiah, the King who did come, the King who did defeat Satan, the King who did set His people free, the King who did heal the blind, give hearing to those who could not hear. Father, the God who came to break the chains of oppression of the enemy. Father, we thank You and praise You for that day. Father, we do look forward to Friday. Father, I pray that as we celebrate Palm Sunday and the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, we remember Good Friday is coming. And God, that the story doesn't end on Friday. We thank You, God, that we will be celebrating Easter. We thank You that the message of Easter is one that should bring hope to all humankind. That our Lord and Savior, Jesus, paid a price we could never pay. He settled the debt for forgiveness of sins. And He has made available to all who would accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior eternal life in His presence. God, we pray that even in these days where we are secluded in so many ways and separated from so many people, Father God, that we experience the peace and the joy and the hope that we have in Christ. And we take every opportunity afforded us to share that good news with others, to be an encouragement, to be an exhorter, to be one who shares truth, to be one who shares and demonstrates the love of Jesus. And we pray, God, that it brings glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. Amen.